I hear you whispering. Planning on stealing something? No, ma'am, we're not. Plan on murdering me in my sleep? What? No! Let's start right out. Hey, what happened? Hello and welcome to In Defense of a Movie Podcast. And Aaron, it's that time of year where we once again ask ourselves, is M. Night Shyamalan a good filmmaker or no, and not at all? <laughs> well, uh, he's definitely a filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? Are you staying safe over there? I'm great. I'm trying not to give in to the uh, mass hysteria going around about the mm-hmm. uh, coronavirus. What mm-hmm. about you? Doing good, man. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, looks like work is making every everyone work from home. Things are shutting down left, right, and center. But trying to stay optimistic and positive, and uh, look forward to uh, yeah, to good stuff in life. Yeah. Um, so today we are looking at 2008's The Happening. Um, but before we do, Woo. Aaron, you, you want to say a few words? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, we got to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Number one, if you are the type of person uh, to kind of get a little paranoid, and uh, then I des- I definitely suggest that you turn this uh, this episode off because, given it, given what's going around in the world right now with the coronavirus, and then we decided it would kind of be fun to do uh, the happening because obviously they kind of go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, I found myself being a little bit more paranoid after watching that movie. Yeah, they were not trying to capitalize on fear here or anything. We want to say, like, if you or anyone you know is affected by uh, the coronavirus, we just want to say, like, you're in our hearts. And um, yeah, we, we a lot, as well as everyone else, just want to see this thing behind us. So we're, this isn't to make light of a serious situation or anything like that. But it's to, it's to make light of a seriously flawed <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so uh, don't don't be offended by our our jokes here. Yeah, we mean well. We mean well. It's it. We think it's important when the world's losing its mind and, and binge buying toilet paper. It's good to look on the light side of life and uh, you know uh, focus on the good things. Focus on making uh, positives out of bad situations. Um, yes, I, know. I, bl- I believe it was uh, Mahatma <laughs> Gandhi that that once said that laughter can cure the world. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of people right now, you know, that are hunkered down in their houses and, and waiting this thing out. And uh, what better way to wait out uh, a tough situation but to add some levity with uh, some some terrible films and some podcasts and some books or anything that you've been procrastinating. So we are excited. Yeah. We're we're back and uh, we're kind of. Aaron, I guess we should kind of explain what we're doing here. I guess this is kind of just like a bonus episode before we jump into season yeah, two. Yeah, we've been on a bit of a hiatus here, and so we wanted to just give you guys some content. There was like a few people who uh, asked where we are when some new stuff was coming out. And so, uh, yeah, we've uh, solved our indifferences, and we're ready to move. <laughs> we're ready to move forward here and give you guys some content. So, hopefully, you are still subscribed. If you're not, subscribe. And uh, yeah, like we're excited. So, from the writer of the screenplay of Stuart Little comes this. <laughs> this <laughs> sitting on Rotten Tomatoes at eighteen percent critical rating, an audience score of twenty four percent. This was by this was distributed by Twentieth Century Fox. Uh, had a budget of forty eight million and made a cool one hundred and sixty three point four million at the box office. And of course, as we mentioned, this is an M Night Shyamalan movie. Hmm. And the second time he has been on our show. Yeah. Aaron, I've given a lot of thought to these M. Night Shyamalan movies. And Mm -hmm. there's certain key ingredients to an M. Night Shyamalan movie that I've come to expect. The first is usually James Newton Howard is doing the music and he's doing an amazing job. Yeah. The second is it usually takes place in and around Philadelphia or is at least shot there because that's uh, M. Night Shyamalan's stomping grounds. The third is that there's usually some sort of twist. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fourth is that they're typically pretty polarizing and you're not sure whether you liked it or hated it. (laughs) So I guess, Aaron, what are your first impressions of this film? Okay, so I got to go back to uh, when this movie first uh, came out. I remember seeing it in the uh, theaters and uh, 
so when I first saw it in the theater, like I I absolutely hated this movie. Um, <laughs> like I saw it once in the theater and in 2008, and I haven't seen the movie since until like watching uh, watching it again for this episode. And yeah, yeah like I, I it's very rare for me to say that I hate a movie so much that I will go out of my way to avoid watching it. Um, you know, like this many years later. And when we originally like decided like, oh yeah, like let's review this uh, movie. I was like, oh, just kind of begrudgingly like watched it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I don't, I don't know. Like, but after, after watching it, my uh, opinion has changed. And I think I just didn't understand it when I, when I first watched it. And mm-hmm. now I like it. I like it a lot more and also kind of like it a lot more because of what's going on in the world today. Yeah, the current climate definitely adds a bit to the experience. Now, M. Night Shyamalan films, at this point, with the happening coming out in 2008, um, there was a fair bit riding on this film because uh, Sixth Sense came out in 1999. That was extremely popular. Mm -hmm. Then Unbreakable, then Signs. It kind of seemed like he was doing a movie every two years, and he kind of made himself like a brand, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think by the time The Village came out, everyone kind of got what his thing was and he was kind of being labeled as like the modern day Alfred Hitchcock which is um depending on who you talk to pretty high praise um yeah but then the village came out and was very polarizing um it since has a bit of a cult following but at the time was widely regarded as a terrible film um mm. then, I've never seen the village Oh, that's a to. that could probably end up on a future episode. Is what oh, I'm dang. trying to. <laughs> and then Lady in the Water came out, um, which I've actually still to this day never seen. Have you seen that one? Uh, I remember kind of like a friend was watching it, and I was kind of half watching it. Uh, kind of found it a little bit on the dry side. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. My parents kept trying to make me watch it. They're like, "It's so good, you'll love it." And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't." Yeah, know. that makes sense. So The Happening comes out. It comes out as a summer blockbuster, June 10th, middle of summer. And um, a lot of people went and saw it because, you know, the M. Night Shyamalan brand, everyone was like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. let's see something twisty, you know? And I think everyone was pretty surprised what they got. Mm -hmm. A couple interesting things about it right off the bat is that um, it was rated R, which is a first for M. Night Shyamalan. So it's definitely a little more edgy. Um, than his previous works. And he seemed a little bit reluctant even to make it that edgy uh, from some of the interviews I saw. Yeah. Um, another thing is, is he shopped this script around for quite a while, but no one wanted to make it. Um, mm. And then apparently it went through a bunch of rewrites uh, before um, finally being greenlit by 20th Century Fox. And I think it was co-financed by, uh, by an Indian company uh, called UTV Motion Pictures. Um it actually did quite well overseas, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. The backdrop of this film's a little bit weird because it's edgier, um, a little less accessible. Um, Aaron, I remember seeing the trailers to this when it was first making the rounds, and the trailers were really tense. Like It looked like it was going to be a really creepy and really mysterious film. Mm-hmm. I you- yeah, the, this the same same thing for me. I remember seeing that and like being excited to see this movie in the theaters because I thought it was going to be like very sus- suspenseful and uh, like kind of have me up by the seat edge of my seat. There appears to be an event happening. It's some kind of attack. The first stage is loss of speech. Claire. Claire? The second stage is physical disorientation. The third stage is fatal. And another thing that's really interesting about this film, which makes sense like geographically um, in the way that it's shot, but this film was filmed entirely in sequence. So you're watching the scenes unfold as they were shot, which is pretty Mm -hmm. unique for a film these days. Yeah. So that being said, that's kind of the backdrop of this film. So Aaron, um, what on earth is the happening about? (laughs) Oh, before before we get into the plot, there's uh, some like a few things that we need to just kind of go over. Okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So like, 
my mind, I kind of sometimes like to go a little wild with the uh, the conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, given given what's going on around uh, around the world right now with coronavirus or uh, COVID nineteen, there was a psychic by the name of Sylvia Brown <laughs> that predicted in her book called The End of Days, where she she is a psychic that predicted a lot of uh, things. And this is one of the predictions she made is in the in the in around 2020, a severe pneumonia like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it has arrived and attack again in 10 years later and then disappear completely. Now, you guys have that in your mind, right? And uh, where did the coronavirus originate? It was in China. China is known for being one of the most polluted places on uh, Earth, right? And so... I'm just saying, coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyways, so to jump into the movie, now knowing oh that. Goodness, now knowing that. Okay. So the movie okay. stars Mark Wahlberg uh, as Elliot Moore, and he's like the science teacher and kind of the guy that ex- that uh, is explaining what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got Zooey Deschanel as uh, his wife, Alma Moore. And John Leguizamo as Julian, which is he's kind of like the uh, the best friend to Mark Wahlberg in there, like teacher buddies, and yeah. his daughter Jess. And I think those are the um, the characters that you need to know. Everyone yeah. else is kind of like a side character. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so basically, what it starts out as. The, you know, everything is kind of normal. Then all of a sudden there is this uh, crazy thing that happens that causes people to murder themselves. Mm-hmm. And and it slowly starts spreading throughout, uh, throughout like the well, – I don't know if it's the world. It is the world eventually towards the end of the movie. But right now it's kind of in like a dedicated zone. Like the and northeast like, yeah, yeah. states, yeah. Yeah, and so and so it's kind of spreading, and everyone's and and the film is of uh, of these characters trying to escape from whatever is going on. Nobody knows in the beginning uh, what is going on. They don't. They think it's a terrorist attack. Then they they think it's biological warfare, and eventually <laughs> towards the end they put two on top of two, and they realize. <laughs> That it's the plants that are attacking. Um, also, some some other key things that you need to know is in the beginning they start to there's like this uh, I don't know if it's like on TV or what it is I kind of forget, um, but they're referencing how the population of the bees are dying. So yeah. this is another thing that you guys need to know. If the bees are <laughs> to like uh, the honeybees specifically are to die, it would. Um, it would like be catastrophic, I guess, to the world. Like, there's no cross uh, pollination, so certain plants wouldn't grow. Um, certain like, and if certain plants are growing, it like all trickles down to like certain animals can't eat certain. And so I think they say that like a lot of the animals would die off, um, cows would die off. Uh, yeah, it would it would basically slip the uh, the world like upside down. Yeah, so like in the movie, I guess the honeybee population is kind of like dying down, and uh, there is this like beginning quote in like the very first scene of the movie where um, they're in the classroom where Mark Wahlberg teaches, and it's this <laughs> quote like that's like, look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. Well, apparently, honeybees are disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them just disappearing. There's no bodies, no sign of them. They're just mysteriously gone. It's scary, huh? If the, and I'm gonna, I don't know it's like word for word, but basically says like if the honeybee population dies, um, that the world will like be descended into chaos. And then, and so, um, so that's basically your first hint of to like what's causing the problem that's going on on the earth. Oh. <laughs> Members of the jury, look at what has happened to bees who have never been asked, smoking or non. Is this what nature intended for us? 
to be forcibly addicted to these smoke machines and man-made wooden slat work camps, living out our lives as honey slaves to the white man? Yeah, so it just kind of like follows them trying to navigate this uh, this kind of like warfare that's going on uh, that's like created by the plants. Yeah, and they're running from wind machines for the rest of the film <laughs> until, yeah. until they end up at that creepy lady's house. And then it kind of becomes like this little mini movie while they deal with her. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite parts is when they go to that old lady because the old lady's just like, I don't want to know what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. People are like dying. And like, you know, there's someone out there right now that has no idea about this like coronavirus and is just like living right. under a rock. Yeah. Oh, I know. I saw this meme today. Uh, it showed a picture of like a an, an Amish fellow with a beard, and it just the meme said, "Has anyone told the Amish yet what's happening?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, oh no." Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, I gotta say right off the top, this in, in all the movies we've done so far in the first season, this is honestly probably the worst script I think that we have tackled to date. Mm-hmm. This movie has such an interesting premise to me but descends so quickly in quality i can barely keep up um growing up my 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 dad kind of developed this tongue-in-cheek rule that he used to tell me is that if a movie utters the title of the film in the first 10 minutes of the film then it's probably going to be a bad film (laughs) and it's it's something i don't like it's not a hard and fast rule but i think you'll find that like 90 percent of the Mm -hmm. time it's pretty accurate and sure enough Right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Right out there. So there's strike one. We've already broken the cardinal rule is don't say the title of the film in the first 10 minutes unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Now, here's where the film lost me, Aaron. Like, almost irrecoverably lost me. Um, the very first shot of the scene, or of the movie, is in Central Park, right? And it's it mm-hmm. says, this is the kind of movie that they, they establish time stamps in the film. Like every new shot transition tends to have like a time attached to it to show how quickly this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start our film at eight thirty three a.m. Right? Mm-hmm. That's when that's when everyone in Central Park goes crazy, and then the construction workers go crazy and kill themselves, and then we transition to when Elliot comes home to talk with his wife Alma. Right? And then they turn on the news, and rather conveniently, the news broadcast is just beginning coverage of the event. Now, in the corner of the news broadcast, it says that it's 10.43 a.m., right? So mm-hmm. two, two hours later, after these people inexplicably kill themselves in Central Park, this news broadcaster says that they now know that this disease is some sort of neurotoxin that's blocking neurotransmitters. And she basically explains the entirety of the science behind what caused <laughs> these people to kill themselves in two hours of it happening yeah when you're in the middle of living through a pandemic in real life and you see how slowly it takes for information to parse out this is insultingly poorly written (laughs) in two hours aaron they go from oh it's a terrorist attack to oh no it's actually neurotoxins that are like just like completely sciencey spells out the entire situation and i was like oh no we are in for like a, a tough ride here. But what if they had their top people working on it? Honestly, if they were able to find that out that quickly, that is incredible. Yeah. And then yeah, Alma says, Alma says that they're evacuating New York City, right? She says yeah. that while they're watching that news broadcast. But then in the next scene, they're in like, what is it, like Grand Central Station? Or what's the big station in New York called? Is that what it's called? I, I Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And it is completely chill. They're having like a little domestic dispute in the middle of like a normal day at the train station while everyone's just trying to casually evacuate New York City. Yeah. Like you would not know anything is wrong. Yeah, that's very true. And and this movie, it it just charges forward with that kind of energy where like the stakes feel ultra low considering how insane the situation is. Mm -hmm. This... I, Aaron, I think right out of the gate, the one thing I want to really defend about this movie is that I think the premise of it deserved a way better script. Yeah, I would agree with that. Have you there? I think there is an original version of this movie, like uh, set in the seventies or the sixties or something like that. Have you seen that one? No, I didn't know there was one. 
Yeah. Uh, I could be. I'm pretty sure there is. I know there's like this Sandra Bullock remake where she's like blindfolded and has to find toilet paper for her kids and stuff. <laughs> and they're like on a boat. I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but it's on Netflix. But but uh, same premise. Toilet paper box. <laughs> Something they can't see is it, it, it causing people to go crazy and kill themselves. And uh, it was <laughs> very similar in tone. <laughs> 1967, there was a happening movie that came out. Is it the same premise? No, actually, it's a comedy movie. That's I just saw the name of it and I thought it was a, like an older one. But it says The Happening, 1967 comedy. Uh, a few bored friends use toy guns to scare the neighborhoods and kids and <laughs> abducting a mafia kingpin for ransom. What? what? We should be talking yeah. about that film. Yeah, when his friends refuse to help him, he joins the teenagers to get back at them. <laughs> says, ah, don't listen to me. What's interesting about this film is how M. Night Shyamalan's attitude and the way he talks about it has changed since it first came out. Yeah. Because when it first came out, he was like, oh, it's like a thriller. It's supposed to be like the birds, like that Alfred Hitchcock style, like edge of your seat, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the backlash to it, nowadays when he talks about it, like as early as, or as early recently as like 2019, when like... He talks about it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like a B-movie, you know? It's just meant to be, like, lighthearted, silly, oh, some yeah. gory deaths. It's like a B-movie, man. You get the sense that there's a bit of damage control happening. Mm-hmm. But it makes you wonder, like, how he would have talked about it today if it had actually worked yeah. out. I think as a B-movie that this movie is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but for what it was intended when it first came out, uh, it definitely like did not live up to what he was trying to do, which is kind of sad. But I'm glad that he can like at least shift focus and kind of enjoy it in that sense. I, part of me also is wondering because if you like watch um, like interviews with M Night Shyamalan, like he is kind of one of those guys who likes those old school horror movies and stuff. Like yeah. he he he's very much brought up in that sense, and I feel like this movie. Um, kind of translates some of that, like, you can tell his influences, right? Like, with the death scenes and things that happen in this movie. They're very, like, horrific. Like, I understand why there's a rated R rating in this movie because they're absolutely, like, nuts. Yeah, the video of the zoo uh, still to this day, like, makes me mm-hmm. laugh out loud. Um, it reminds me of, like, the gore in, like, uh, Robocop, like, Paul Verhoeven movies where, you know, I almost wanted it to be more over the top. Um, yeah. The scene where that guy starts up that, like, giant lawnmower then lays down in front of it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Aaron. That is to the, like, I don't know why mm. that's so funny to me, but it's something that should be, like, terrifying or, and spooky. But just the way it's constructed and in the context of the film, it comes across as just hysterically funny to me. I think it's uh, Mark Wahlberg's uh, kind of reaction to it because he's just kind he's kind of like looking like oh no, and he like looks away and then like looks back and, he, and he's like oh no, and he like can't he kind of can't stop looking, but then eventually it just he dies and he's like oh, and then like leaves and you're. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I would stay and to like watch this guy murder himself and get ran over by a lawnmower. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And this movie made me question like fundamentally, like, wait, is Mark Wahlberg a good actor or what's going on here? Like the acting in this film is very, very bad. I swear, like Zooey Deschanel is in a different film, man. Like she is smiling through the entire film. Yeah, she, like, I, in this movie, I was like, is she a bit autistic in this movie? <laughs> like, oh, no. I don't understand. Well, yeah, and they, they kind of, about... yeah, they kind of, like, give her, like, a little bit of mystery, too. And and so you're kind of like, like, I don't understand her character. And you you kind of see it develop as, as it goes on. But in the beginning, you're like, you have all these questions about her. Yeah. And the thing that like the thing that went right over my head the first time I saw this was this really it's actually pretty subtle, the connection between their emotional responses to the situation and how bad the situation gets for them, Um, because both her and the little girl have problems showing their emotions and Mm -hmm. Mark Wahlberg's wearing a mood ring. And you get the idea by the end of the film that it's like the fear and the panic, like when they basically like when they lose their chill is when this thing decides to come and kill them. Yeah. But like the first time I watched that, for whatever reason, that just sailed right over my head. And 
I think that's kind of the most compelling part of this film because when they walk out and join each other at the end there, it seems mm-hmm. at the time kind of nonsensical, but you get the idea that like, oh, not to like oversimplify it, but it's basically like if you project good vibes, the plants won't kill you. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that kind of the, like how to like encapsulate it? Uh, you know what? Like I feel like that's <laughs> a valid, valid way to live your life. My name is Elliot Moore. Just going to talk in a very positive manner, giving off good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom. And then we're just gonna leave. I hope that's okay. <laughs> no bad vibes and the plants. Yeah, won't kill just project yeah, yeah. Like project good vibes, try to take care of like the like the earth, try to take care of one another, and like you'll be alright. What's funny to me is that, you know, he tries using the, what, what does he say when he, he tells himself, be scientific douchebag or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, when he's trying to apply scientific method in real time to the situation, because that's the thing people mm-hmm. do. I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity to to kind of torment his character a little bit that like all the scientific reasoning he can do can't actually explain what is quote unquote happening. I mm-hmm. It would have been, as a man of science, it would have been kind of, a neat dynamic in the film is if like he really truly couldn't explain what was happening but ultimately they do just smack you over the head with what is going on so i i would have liked to have seen that a little bit hey like if yeah. his character was kind of broken down to the core where he was like all this reasoning and all this knowledge and all these articles i've read and i can't even explain why everyone's dying you know like that would have been like just deconstruct mm. him a bit that would have yeah. been rad do you remember when you like what your initial reaction was um like when you first saw this movie as you start to figure out it's the plants? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was everyone went into this film expecting a twist, right? Mhm. Yeah. Like everyone on earth that went and saw this was like, "Oh, what's the next M Night Shyamalan twist going to be?" So I definitely like went into it preloaded with the expectation of a twist, which is, and, and then when it was, I, I, I seem to recall thinking it was super interesting, mm-hmm. but also kind of lame because it wasn't like a monster that you could put your finger on and see, you know? Yeah. I was, what about uh, you? I, I was, uh, like in denial the whole entire time where I'm like, oh. is it the plants? I'm like, no, it can't be the plants. Is it the plants? No, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the plants. And then I'm like, and then I like, I think that's the reason why I kind of hated it. But by the way, I think I know what's causing this. You do? It's the plants. They can release chemicals. You like hot dogs, don't you? Yeah. That's See, that's the thing is he subverts his own genre by saying the twist is that there's actually not a twist. Yeah. I don't know, man. I Okay, here's a question for you, Aaron. Does this does this movie fall into so bad it's good territory for you? No. No, I... Um, no, I, like, watching it again years later, like, I, I enjoyed uh, the campiness of, like, all the murder scenes that kind of go on in yeah. this movie, but, like... Those murder scenes are too far and too few in between to make it into it's so bad, it's good. Right. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, like overall, I like every time, uh, every time there was a murder scene, I was just like hoot- hooting and hollering and like cheering yeah. for people to die, it's which so is kind of bad, but it's entertaining. Yeah. It's not, it's funny, like, it's definitely, like, not the desired reaction. Yeah. But it's where the film is its most entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. It, it, it kind of, like, got lost in its own, in its own orbit. And then we're all, like, no, we like it, but we don't like it for the reasons you made it. We like it for our <laughs> yeah. own reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, your reasons suck. Yeah, it's like M. Night's like, no, guys, look at this stuff. Look at my environmentalist message. Look at the mood ring. Look at this stuff. And we're like, no, that lawnmower thing, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do more of that. Do more of that, yeah. It makes me wonder, like, if M. Night Shyamalan actually did make, like, a comedy, um, could yeah. he do it on purpose? Do you... <laughs> oh, God, I wonder. He would just kind of have to, like, make a movie and then, like, if he just made a movie where he was just put absolute mayhem in it, I think it would be, like, very successful. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would love... Oh, I would love to see this premise go total Paul Verhoeven. Just, like, ultra-violent, yeah. like... There is an opportunity here for just absolute hilarity. Mm-hmm. If it had like you know, like in Hot Fuzz, like the the kind of gore in that film, yeah, like some of the deaths in yeah, that yeah, film. Yeah. Like if it went that tone, like Hot Fuzz tone, with this premise of like wind and plants killing people. Yeah, man, you could get right carried away. It could be oh, so man. fun. I just want to see like a tree branch reach out and strangle someone. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the scene at the end when when the. the 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 daughters on the on the swing, like yeah, their whole thing right now is avoiding pissing off plants, and she's just like swinging from a maple tree. Yeah, and I love that the like the scenes like are like <laughs> of just the branch creaking, and you're like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? <laughs> like, is that tree gonna come alive, or like, is she gonna die right now? And you just like feel this tense energy coming from that tree that something's like it's not <laughs> enjoying it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I came across, um, Aaron, in my research for this film, I came across this YouTube video that I, I want to shine a light mm-hmm. on, a spotlight on really quick, and I want to get your thoughts yeah. on this. So this YouTube video was uh, by a YouTuber called What is Anti-Logic? And the video is called The Happening, Shyamalan's Greatest Twist. Now, okay. the, the case he makes is that The Happening is a sequel to The Sixth Sense and After Earth is a sequel to The Happening. Now, the what he, the logic he says is that um, the aliens that came down to Earth were only able to, at the time, spray the neurotoxin like from their wrist, which is why mm-hmm. in The Sixth Sense they like spray that, uh, the kid that has asthma or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they learn how to weaponize it in The Happening. And then in The Happening what we find out at the end of the happening is that the plants are essentially going to globalize and take out everybody. And then after earth takes place way in the future when they're coming back to earth, because I think it's Will Smith says the line that everything on earth has evolved to kill humans. Mm. Now Mm -hmm. M M night Shyamalan's never come out and address this, whether it holds any weight or not. But when I put my headspace there, because like, if you think about it, like no one expected unbreakable, and uh, glass and, and whatever the other one is to be in the same universe, right? Yeah. So it begs the question, man, do you think that these three films are in any way, shape, or form connected, or is it just is it just like extrapolating or whatever? Yeah. Well, I'd say for argument's sake, like why not? Like I, yeah. I like when people come up with these theories and uh, they say stuff like that. Like it'd be really cool. And uh, I hope that he does come out one day and says they are attached. Don't you think it would help uh, the overall perception of this film if he did do that? He's like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? It is. Yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, Surprise. (laughs) At the same time, though, I I feel like it'd be these all like, uh, apart from The Sixth Sense, but After Earth and like, and The Happening were obviously terrible movies. And right. at this point, like, if he came out and said that, no one would care. <laughs> like, they'd be like, oh, like, whatever. Oh, wait, did I say, did I say the right film at the start there? I wonder, because I was thinking, you said, you said Sixth Sense happening and Oh, I meant after. the signs. Oh, sorry. The signs. Okay, okay. I that makes that more whole, sense. I messed up that whole thing. Yeah, sorry, the signs. Yeah. I, well, see, I couldn't correct you because I've never actually seen the Sixth Sense. And I was oh, like, oh, okay. there's aliens in it. I thought it was like dead people that he was seeing. Oh, that would have been way more interesting. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, sorry. I meant the signs. Yeah, the signs. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, this, uh, all this mass hysteria out there in the world has got me stumbling yeah. on my words here. Well, you know, like I said, um, you know, in, in, in this movie, The Happening, the like towards the end, I think they kind of just describe that the that the worst of it is going to peak at this certain time, and then it's right. going to get better after that. And like so the I kind said. yeah, so I kind of feel like that's what's going on in the world today. Like the coronavirus is ramping up, and it's going to get to a point, and uh, and then it's just going to like kind of drop and subside from there. And if it does come back in 10 years, we're going to do a part two of this podcast thing. And I'm going to say, look at this. This is because Mother Earth is mad at us. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm so scared, Aaron. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen? Who knows? I, yeah. 
I'm optimistic. I'm gonna believe this lady's uh, lady's prediction and say that by the end of March, the coronavirus will like be subsiding. Well, that is that is a very optimistic outlook, and I hope you're right. <laughs> I definitely hope you're right. Either that, or I'll be dead. One or the other. Hello, darkness, my old friend. So, Aaron, I got a couple uh, really interesting observations about this film. Okay. At the beginning of the film, in his classroom, um, Mark Wahlberg kind of uh, busts the balls of that kid, Jake. Uh, yeah. Trying to get him to chime in about the discussion. And he says that he has a perfect yeah. face, but he should be yeah. worried about science because one day his nose and ears will keep growing. Yeah. So, I was really curious about this. I went on IMDb and looked up the actor. His name is Robert Lindsay. Yeah. And... <laughs> And Mark Wahlberg was right. His nose did keep growing. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe Mark Wahlberg is a psychic and he can predict the future. <laughs> anyway, if anyone's interested, I thought that was hilarious. Um, he definitely looks different than he did in that picture. And his nose does look considerably bigger. <laughs> no offense uh, meant, but I just thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah. Also, Aaron, did you notice at the very end of the film, um, their daughter is wearing an Avatar backpack? Oh, no, I didn't. So, right, it's like, I think it's like the closing shot of the film. Um, what's her name? What's the kid's name? Jess? Yeah, Jess. Yeah, she, so. she She shoulders her backpack and you see an Avatar logo on the back. And then she gets on a school bus and on the front hood of the school bus is the numbers 2010, which is when oh. Avatar which we already talked about on this show. That's when it came out, Aaron. That's very cool. Also, um, this is the only, as far as I know, M. Night Shyamalan film that M. Night Shyamalan doesn't cameo in. Um, yeah, he is the voice of Joey, though. Oh, is he? Okay, because I have a question about yeah. this, Aaron. There seems to be some really weird um, tension between Julian, like John Leguizamo's character, and yeah. Alma. Yeah. So, um... I was watching this with my wife, and she said, wait, is is Julian supposed to be that character that's calling her? Like, No, I don't think so. You don't think so? Because she was getting, like, phone calls from the guy while they were together. Oh, were they? Because, like, there yeah, was some... Yeah, she got a phone call on the train, and they were all on the train together. He says this really, like, suspicious story at the beginning about, like, randomly walking into the waiting room where she was there, yeah. like, accidentally. And I was like... Is there, I don't know what's going on here, but like he doesn't seem to want to be around them. Like when they leave that restaurant mm. inexplicably and everyone scatters, I just had this weird thought of like, does he not want to be around them? Cause he like feels this guilt. Like did they, were they doing something them too? No, the way I understood it is he's like a good judge of character and he is like obviously that uh, Mark Wahlberg's character is like his uh, kind of like his good buddy and he's worried about him because his, he says that this girl is just like is like isn't capable of facing anything like on her own mm-hmm. and kind of kind of basically calling her spineless is is what he's doing and so he just seems like an over overbearing friend kind of like protecting his other friend um I don't know. That that's kind of that's kind of how I say it. Because then he gives her that line that's like, "Don't grab my daughter's hand unless you really mean it," which is which right. I I actually really liked it um, because it just kind of showed like tried to get it, it like got the like uh, Zoe's Zoe's character to uh, to like think and mm. to realize that she can't be this um, mindless kind of like float along person and she actually has to put some thoughts into what she's doing because it could affect other people's lives and so it's a pretty yeah. bummer conversation to have with your best friend like after the wedding you know <laughs> yeah like on the yeah on the front steps of the school there while like there's some sort of quote-unquote terrorist attack happening and he's just mm-hmm. like hey man let me just drop this like truth bomb on your lap <laughs> you know? yeah like i think your wife like doesn't want to be with you and he's like why does everyone keep saying that? And it's like, well, I guess, you know, like we as the as the audience haven't seen this conversation happen more than once, but it must suck to be uh to be Mark Wahlberg's character to have that hanging over you where allegedly yeah. all of his friends are telling him that she's got cold feet, you know? 
Mm-hmm. So I was reading that apparently there is a uh, a deleted scene that's that uh, shows them them fighting like Elliot and Alma's characters, and oh. it was scra- it was scratched from the movie because instead of showing what was the dynamic between the two, they wanted you to figure it out like as they figure out their problems like going on th- throughout the movie. It's okay. I think you meant it. How can you be sure? I almost hurt you. My God, I almost hurt you. I'm turning into a monster. Soon you'll find severed body parts of strangers in the freezer. Elliot, this is how it starts. You didn't mean it. You didn't. I mean, I saw Belize playing softball in high school. If you wanted to hit me, you wouldn't have missed. What do you think? Yeah. I'm really sorry. I was just trying to make a point before. Okay. Tell me. What was my point? Do you remember my point? different. Right, right. We see different things when we look at the same thing. Elliot, that's been our problem from the beginning. Look, I almost killed you. (laughs) We're not the same where it counts. Don't you think that's true? No. Okay, give me an example. We both love Rocky Road ice cream. Are you serious? Yeah. Everyone loves Rocky Road ice cream. No, that's a particular flavor people don't like. It's a flavor for a reason. Well, then how do you explain walking into an ice cream parlor and every time the Rocky Road tub is always full? And you're always the first two scoops. What are you talking about? You're an optimist. I'm a realist. Elliot, you don't protect yourself like an adult and you don't protect me. Does this make any sense what I'm saying? Mood ring. Remember? To be treated by a therapist that looks like this, I look like Frankenstein. Hey, put it on. I don't want to. Let's see what you're really feeling. They do have that one hysterically funny conversation where um, Mark Wahlberg's character kind of fires back at her and talks about buying a superfluous bottle of cough syrup uh, oh, from yeah. a cute girl working at the pharmacy. And yeah. it's kind of like this revenge thing um, because she said that she had, what did she have? Like tarami- she had tiramisu or she had a dessert yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah some it? sort of, I think it was tiramisu. <laughs> So, but what's funny is like that Mark Wahlberg saying that back to her somehow seemed to like even the scales and bring them closer together, not further apart. (laughs) Yeah. These people are just weird, man. Everyone, everyone in this film's weird. Um, Aaron, I screenshotted this one review of this movie that I saw on on Rotten Tomatoes um, that I thought really like. Like, I don't know who wrote this, so I can't give credit, but it's on Rotten Tomatoes if you want to see it. Uh, This is from a user. They wrote, um, 100%, this was written by aliens trying to impersonate human behavior (laughs) after only studying them for about a month. That would not (laughs) only explain the wildly odd dialogue and cadence, but why a movie called The Happening has so little, you know, happening in it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I was like, yeah, like that, that sums it up. Like this is, um, certainly this isn't how people, uh, behave during, uh, a crisis. We know that firsthand. Um, and certainly this isn't how people fight in a, in a marriage situation. Or like yeah. interact. <laughs> if you were trying to convince somebody to watch this film, like what would you specifically want to defend about it? Um, I would just... The thing that I would I would say is probably just trying to change your mindset um, of what type of movie this is and kind of mm. come at it as expecting a B movie and yeah. except and just kind of like expect to see a few sweet murder scenes. <laughs> sweet, <laughs> sweet murder scenes. Yeah. <laughs> sweet murder scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, apparently also um there was there's more deleted scenes and I guess there was a like a classroom with like uh, people murdering themselves. I assume it's with kids and so oh, it got wow. cut from the yeah, I got cut from the movie and um and yeah, the scene where the lion, or is it tigers? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's attacks lions. a guy. Yeah, apparently it's like even more gruesome than what we saw, and uh, it's a deleted scene as well. So somewhere there's 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 like somewhere out there there's just these amazing, more amazing kill scenes that I'd like to see. 
Man. Maybe not the maybe not the kids ones. When but you just the like, the lion the lion would for sure. That lion one's an interesting one within like the scope of the universe of the film because like is the, the it seems like the wind just like the plants or whatever, like just randomly affected that one guy, but not everyone observing that one guy, which is, yeah. goes against what the film tells us that it's larger groups and it's narrowing down to smaller groups. So mm-hmm. as sweet as that kill is, I got to say that one really breaks the universe a bit for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and that lady, when they stumble into that old lady's house, like I, I, yeah, I just like, it was, I feel like that was the twist of the movie because all of a sudden you get this like weird, creepy hills have eyes, like old lady, um, that just wants to murder people. Do you think like, do you think she would have survived though, if they didn't come and crash her place and make her all disgruntled and emotional? Like I feel oh, like yeah. I feel like they're responsible for her death. Like obviously she's a she's a nut, but uh, like not necessarily because technically it started like um like singling out people, like single people, right? Mm. And so it would have came regardless because now it's it's attacking people despite the group size. Oh, okay. Yeah. So technically she probably would have died died either way. But maybe she would have died like more the way that she wanted to die rather than taking care of this random group of people and like she could have died alone mm. where, the, way, the way she preferred to live. Yeah, I suppose so, hey. Yeah. I'm just wondering because she had like a garden. It seemed like she was growing stuff. She seemed pretty self-sufficient. She was she... really protective of her lemon drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she she had it like right. Like she was a, um, what do they call it? Um you know, when they, when the, oh crap, what a are prepper? they called? Yeah, she was a prepper. Yeah. She was, she was like, she was ready for when uh, shit hits the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. As weird and off-putting as her character was, it still makes, it still feels weird. It still seems like maybe she didn't deserve to die like the way she did with like these people rolling up on her house and disturbing her whole ecosystem for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, do you have a WTF moment of this movie? Oh my goodness. So many. I'm almost in that camp, Aaron, where it's like this whole movie's a WTF moment for me. Yeah. There's it's it's impo- it's so hard to pick just one. Um I already kind of mentioned it, but I honestly think it's probably when that guy lays down in front of the lawnmower just because of how much effort he had to put into oh, making that yeah. suicide happen. Yeah. Because here's the thing that's so interesting, like the the thing I stumble on when I watch this film is the mechanics of it. Because there's yeah. a difference between like shutting off your self-preservation, but it's another thing entirely to to um, make you want to to kill yourself, right? Like when that military guy starts yelling in the field that his firearm is his friend, and mm-hmm. he's almost trying to rationalize like not killing himself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to block neurotransmitters, like turning off the part of yourself that wants to self-preserve, but. Yeah. There's another ingredient that's not really talked about, which is, okay, like, but what is the force that's, like, telling you to actually do these complicated things to kill yourself? Like, there was people that climbed up ladders and hung themselves with hoses. And I was just like, what? I don't get it. Like, why? Why? How much trouble is too much trouble? Like, wouldn't you just stop and hold your breath till you passed out and died? Like, how? Why is this thing create? Why is this thing creative is what I'm asking, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So... For me, it's the WTF moment for me, I think, is just the mechanics that I can't seem to wrap my head around. Yeah, I, for me, yeah, because like, you know, those people who had to go set their ladders up, climb up into a tree, <laughs> yeah. like tie a, tie a noose around their necks and then tie it onto the tree and then jump down. Like, this seems like a lot of work opposed to just like, I don't know, kneeling on the, the road and smashing your head into it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's what they do in Bird Box. People just, yeah. uh, they just start smacking their heads against stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> or the jo- the one that happens to uh, John Leguizamo's character, where he survives yeah. this Jeep crash. For whatever reason, he survives the Jeep crash. Like, he didn't have to, but they were like, no, nah, let's add a little spice on that meatball. Let's have him walk out, sit down, grab some glass, and kill himself independently. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't get it. It's like tr- if you, at first you don't succeed, try and try again. Or like <laughs> so what I kind of the way that I kind of interpreted it was that 
people have these things that they're like their neural transmitters that are being blocked or whatever it is, right? But right. they're still aware of what they're doing. And so, so like they have some thought of like how to go about killing themselves. And so the one thing that you kind of notice is that one person will kill themselves and then it seems like everyone just looks at that and then like follows them in oh. in that way of like killing themselves. So I kind of interpret it as like and, – and you kind of see it when you see John uh, Leguizamo. Sorry, I can't say his name. Um his character get out and it seems like he's kind of like aware of what he's doing but he can't stop himself and you kind of get that look that he's like oh shit and then just starts like cutting himself and dies like he it, it almost looks like he takes a moment for himself before he kills himself okay because like he like he can't stop it he can't stop it but he's trying to maybe a little bit yeah yeah I don't know. That's it. It's like it's a stretch, but that's that's the way that I interpret it. And kind of that kind of yeah, that kind of point. It kind of makes more sense in my mind. I'm into it. Um, yeah. At the very beginning of the film, does that girl that that you know when she's like, "Did you see that? There's so much blood or whatever." Like, is she hallucinating, or is there footage that was supposed to be cut in there that was never shot? Which which girl? At the very very start of the film, there's the girl that's reading. And then there's a girl yeah. next to her that starts to be like, did you hear that? Do you see that? There's like, yeah, there's so much... yeah, yeah. Is she supposed to be hallucinating or are we missing a shot or no, two? No, no. So I think that the way that this uh, like neurotoxin or whatever got into people, it, it didn't hit everyone at the exact same time. Like it was like everyone kind of got hit within like the span of a minute or, or something like that. So to me, it just seems because the way the way that everyone got affected was through air currents and the and the plants like releasing something, right? So right. when you're getting infected by some sort of air wave or whatever, like you're you might not necessarily get it with the person sitting next to you because maybe the breeze didn't hit you, right? Or right. maybe someone has like a some sort of natural tolerance to it, and it and. And so the way I interpreted it was that, yeah, she seen someone who was like further away who got hit by the breeze sooner, um, like uh, experiencing it. And that's where like they were murdering each other. It almost reminds me of like Scarecrow Fear Toxin from like yeah. the ba- Batman universe where if like you're already panicked or something – like the girl, mm-hmm. like what's interesting to me is like the first person we see kill themselves was like reading a murder mystery book. Like they were reading a really intense, I don't know what she says, something about how the killer, I don't know, I can't remember. But like, like it seems like almost you need to have a fear response in you at the time for like the mm-hmm. toxin to like really make you go to town. Yeah. And then it just cascades as one person kills himself and the other person's like, whoa, that person just killed himself. Oh, no, yeah. I'm killing myself. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a house of cards or something. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, do you want to know what my WTF moment was? Oh, yeah. Sorry. We totally went on a rabbit trail there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's when uh, when they kind of like break off from the group and it's uh, like it's the three of them and then they have those two boys with them. Yes. And they, they like go banging on some guy's house. Yeah. And uh, it, like I just thought it was so funny because Mark Wahlberg is just like Mississippi man, so I'm sorry, just starts like <laughs> yeah. singing this random song, and he's like, "See, come on, man, I'm normal. See, Mississippi man." He's like, and then like, and then those two kids that are with him are like the least rough looking kids I've seen. Like these, they look like the nerdiest kids ever, and they're like, yeah. "Open up your house, like <laughs> let us in," and they like all of a sudden get so like hard just, like yeah. just and then and then they just get so wrecked by that guy because he like shoots one in the chest and then shoots one in the face and you're like oh shit and elliot like, could have easily avoided this if he'd been just a little more proactive yeah and like yeah. i don't know how he thought in his head that singing this random song would make him seem more normal because if anything i'd be like who the hell is this guy singing this random song that i have no idea like what it is Moon black water, keep on rolling, Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? See? We're normal. Elliot and his stupid dad shoes that he's wearing the whole film. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> that uh, scene there. Mississippi man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so See, stupid. we're normal. Yeah, yeah. 
If someone knocked on my door and started singing a song, yeah. I would not interpret that as normal at right? all. Right? Oh yeah. god, like I don't know that would be not the that would not be the thing that makes me think you are normal. You know what, Aaron? Here's 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 what I want to say about this film is this is probably the first movie I've ever seen that is both dumber than you think it is, but also smarter than you think it is. Does that make any yeah. sense at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel I, I feel know, like man. that's M. Night Shyamalan's brand though. Right? Yeah. It Unintentionally seems like though. He's so hit and miss, it's unbelievable. Like there are very few filmmakers that can make intense, thrilling, great films. Like, he's on opposite ends of the spectrum on almost a bi-yearly basis. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. The fact that this film was even a struggle to get green lit should have been a big red flag that maybe maybe this concept wasn't fully developed yet, you know? Maybe it needed a mm-hmm. couple more years to die to, to really cook before it was ready. I feel that people should go out and watch it now, though, considering what's going on. This film is probably conceptually speaking more suited to like today's climate but mm-hmm. with like uh you know all this talk about climate change and this that and the other thing it it, it seems very on point now yeah um, but at the time i just felt like it was silly it almost it almost comes off as entirely silly at the time um yeah but looking back on it now it's actually a little bit intriguing um in a way that i wasn't really expecting because you know, like once you get past the bad acting, bad dialogue, all the bad stuff, even the cinematography for some reason is just terrible in this film. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the way some of the shots are framed, the color grading, everything is really kind of gross looking. Yeah. You know? It's um, got a feel, very like monotone, like gray feeling to it. Yeah, it just feels muted and awful. Yeah. And it's weird because all of his other films are very stylized and very, they each have a, like, a, like M. Night Shyamalan, his, his movies are big on color temperature. Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, The Signs is very gold, very yellowy and warm. Lady in the Water, obviously very cold and blue, you know, but this movie's just kind of ugly. Yeah. Okay, Aaron, this is a, this is an interesting question I have for you that I, that occurred to me while watching this. Um. <laughs> I it would have been cool if this movie talked about this. It didn't, but I want to know what you think of this, okay? Okay. Do you go to purgatory if a disease beyond your control makes you kill yourself? Oh, that that's like a, <laughs> <laughs> I did we are we doing another podcast here or like another episode? I was just it occurred I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, how does that work? Like I mean, strictly from like a, you know, a theology standpoint, right? Like, what would that look like? Because I, I was thinking about this only because I watched, I rewatched Constantine a couple weeks ago. And of course, yeah. like the, the whole thing in that film is Constantine, like, you know, um, uh, quote unquote, killed himself and was dead for a certain amount of time, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. So I was thinking, this is fresh on my mind. Then I watched this and I was like, oh, wait a sec. Are these people like, is there some leniency here? Or <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I have no idea. That's assuming that, like, assuming people go to pur- purgatory is assuming that there is assuming, a heaven yeah. or a hell. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm so, basing like, on you, assumption you, here. Yeah, you have no ideas. I have no idea. Uh, my personal opinion is this. I hope there's nothing. So, <laughs> like, I, I, God, I have no idea. <laughs> I hope not. I hope that they're just dead. It would have been another layer if uh, if part of that big group near the end there was a minister who was like a pastor or priest who was like losing his mind talking about that. Yeah. That would have, I feel like that would have raised the stakes if they said like, yeah, no, these people are killing themselves. Therefore, they're going straight to hell or something. That would have been like, oh, you know, like, like. I feel like there's ways you could have punched up this script and this situation to actually make it scary and not so silly. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, like have a have like a because no one there's no um, there's no like real antagonist in this in this movie. Maybe you could call that lady. Uh, like when they go to her house and she kind of is just psycho. Like she's kind of like an antagonist, but she's such a small part of the movie that you couldn't really call her that. And I guess the antagonist in the movie was like mother nature itself and so if they kind of gave a gave like a preacher in there or something that was like repent for your sins and like blah 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 like like then i could have uh i yeah i definitely agree with you it would have made like another dynamic to this movie 
Yeah, it would like it could have um, heightened the stakes a bit more. Mm-hmm. This movie kind of reminded me of Twenty Eight Days Later in terms of um, the structure. I've noticed this thing that happens in a lot of these style of movies, where like the beginning of the film is like a big explosion of an event, but then the movie usually distills down to like a single location for the third act, whether it's like a compound or a house. Or, yeah, and. Frankly, I I find it kind of cliche at this point. I'm kind of sick of it. Like it it's almost like there's a mini movie at the end of all these movies where it's like 25 or 30 minute section where it's like all of a sudden we've gone from global down to like a house or something. Mhm. And I've seen it I I feel like I could probably like I should have made a list of films, but I don't know, Aaron. I'm kind of getting sick of that cliche, man. Mm, but think about it uh like with what's going on right now in the world and it was everyone was out doing whatever, and then as the pandemic got worse, uh, mm. people are now quarantined to their house. So it's kind of got a little bit of truth to it. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, that is a fair point because I guess as the group gets smaller and you become more isolated, it does make sense to like hunker down. Hmm. I, I get what you're saying though. It's just because so many movies do that exact same thing. Like it always ends up a small group in like a house somewhere in the yes. middle of nowhere. Yeah, structurally, it starts to seem a little lazy to me. Yeah. There was this book I read um, not last year called End of the World Running Club, where it mm-hmm. was it was set in the UK. There was like a there was like asteroid impacts and it was the same exact structure where a big, a big event happens and then you get focused on one group and then they sure enough end up in a house somewhere for a while, yeah. a long while, Doesn't like overstayed yeah, the welcome. I feel it's like very, con- I th- isn't War of the Worlds kind of like that as well? Yes, the exact same thing. Big yeah. event, and then ha- like a quarter of the or a third of the movie spent in that house with Tim Robbins' crazy character. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I get the I get the reasoning behind it, but it just takes the wind out of the sails for me. I don't know why. Yeah, I guess the alternative though is like the Roland Emmerich approach, though, where you just keep jumping around to like different groups of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it is I, yeah, a better I- approach. I mean, I guess that would be on the uh, like the movie makers of Hollywood to try to search and explore new ways of doing that rather than sticking to the same old. Yeah, I just there's got to be a way to keep the story and the tension moving forward without slowing your film down like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer, obviously, but I feel like it's getting played out and. I feel like if we've noticed it, chances are everybody's noticed it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, and that and that's where you see like uh, this kind of natural disaster movies are becoming becoming like less and less. Like, can you remember what the last one was? The was last twenty twelve? No. Um. Or is Midway a disaster? No, that's like a more war movie, right? Yeah, it's more of a more of a quote unquote historical movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so what I what I mean is like a um, kind of like a natural disaster type movie. Right. Well, I haven't really I haven't really watched it. I, oh, San Andreas. That was a natural disaster movie. Oh yeah. And, and again, like they all kind of they all kind of fall follow that. But I think that's I think in natural disaster type movies, like that's all you can do is like you survive it and then you try to like hunker down in a place. Like it's the most human way of dealing with something. Mm-hmm. Change it up, humans. You suck. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. That is interesting. You definitely gave me something to think about because yeah, it's true. I mean, as we speak, you know, like lots of people are working from home. We're all hunkered down in our different places and kind of waiting this thing out. And yeah. Yeah, it's true. It started as a big global thing, and now we're all in these little pods. So I guess there's some truth to it. Maybe I'm just, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just not embracing that enough. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I never. You gave me something to really chew on here. Ah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but no need, no need to thank me. But thank uh, Sylvia Brown uh, for her words of <laughs> encouragement to carry you know, us through this trying time. I will say this, it's not often that psychics um, bring good news. It seems to be that Doom and Gloom's most people's brand right now, so. Yeah, well, Doom and Gloom is just the brand in general. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, is there anything else? Um, I guess at the core of it, what are we defending? The music for sure, because James Newton Howard always kills yeah. me with these movies. Um, what else, Aaron? Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, just just like I said, very should be watched because of just what's going on in the world uh, yeah. today. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, the 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 murder scenes and stuff are absolutely like a blast to watch. So if you're if you're yeah. like us and get a kick out of watching people die in weird ways, <laughs> then uh, then definitely this movie is for you. It sounds morbid until you've seen it, and then you'll understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if it was so bad, they wouldn't put it in a movie, and we wouldn't be talking about it, right? Yeah. I'm definitely in the camp of so bad it's entertaining. So bad it's good for sure with this yeah. one, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what would you say to convince someone to watch this if they were on the fence about it? <laughs> oh, I would say, do you want to continue being an ignorant human being for the rest of your life oh until gosh. Mother Nature oh decides gosh. to <laughs> act out and attack you? Because then uh, don't watch this movie. But if you want to learn from the error of your ways... And Go buy a mood ring. Yeah, and learn to treasure and take care of Mother Nature, then you should watch this movie. Because if you don't, we're headed to a terrible place. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Look, Aaron, that's not what the psychic said at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's coming back in 10 years, and you don't know oh, what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, I, no, I would say, do you like uh, M. Night Shyamalan's weird twists? If yes. so, watch this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of takeaways. There's a lot of interesting stuff in this film. And I, I guess, yeah, as we pull it in, I just want to say like one, one other thing that I, uh, another style of movie making that I really like is when you get like the introduction to an event, but not so much like the event itself. Um, mm-hmm. Case in point, the first Matrix movie where it ends with Neo becoming the one, but we don't, at the time everyone watched it, we don't see like him becoming the one. You know what I mean? Mm, um, yeah. In this movie, it's like showing the preemptive warning, like the strike, the preemptive strike, and then it ends with giving us the impression that it's going to be a global event. And yeah, I like that kind of stuff in my sci-fi, man. I like like the prelude without, you know, without overstaying your welcome. And this is a really quick film, right? Like it's really like, really doesn't waste any time. So I like that. I like when films don't overstay their welcome. They just get in, plant the seeds, make your imagination fill in the rest. And that's, I like that, man. Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron, uh, it's good to be back. We're, uh, I guess we're going to be kicking off season two. Do we want to talk a little bit about season two? Uh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Uh, we are going to be doing sequels. Woo! Sequel season! Yeah, but we're also, we're going to kind of throw in some not sequel, sequel movies because we understand it's a little bit of a commitment, uh, going into sequels because then obviously you got to watch the original one and then the sequel one. And so not everyone's got that kind of time. So, um, for you, for those of you, of, of, of our diehard fans, like buckle up because you're in for a treat. And, uh, those, those of our like casual listeners, like we, we still got you covered. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope we were able to brighten your day a little bit. And, um, yeah, as we learned in this movie, just stay calm. Nobody panic. We're going to get through Mm this all together as one big global community. We got this. Yes. We will um, become stronger. We'll be sitting in the theater watching terrible films again before you know it. Amen, brother. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) All right, guys, until next time, stay safe, keep fit, and have fun. Why would we be asking for food if the place is boarded up and nobody's lived here for a long time? What makes you think there's fresh groceries? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm? Two words. Canned goods.